us.
Good to be together this afternoon. I've invited uh, Brother Richard to come and preach uh, for us, uh, and so he's going to come and preach. And then after he's through, we've got uh, some videos we want to show you about the property that we helped the Reasoners purchase uh, just last Sunday, and I think that'll be a blessing to you. Also, want to mention that um, Jamie and Deborah left early to go to the hospital because Mrs. Chin wasn't doing well, so. Richard, why don't you come? I want to lead some word of prayer for Mrs. Chin, and then you preach for us. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for your great love for us. We thank you for Mrs. Chin and uh, her need of you today. Uh, we're not sure of exactly what that is, but we know you do. And so, Lord, we'd ask that you'd work on her behalf, that your will would be done in her life and her body. And uh, just pray that uh, you'd be honored and glorified through that. We thank you for the opportunity to be together this afternoon and pray that you'd be with Brother Richard as he preaches and bless him. And uh, thank you for all the blessings you give us. We love you. Ask these things in your name. Amen. You want to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. It's good to be back for a little while. We're looking forward to... Well, I'm looking forward anyway to hitting the road again here, 1st of February, and we appreciate your prayers for us as we 
hit the road again. Um, John chapter 1, and we'll start reading in verse 6. If you want to stand with me for the reading of the Word. John chapter 6, and the Bible says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That, that was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. But he, or he came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Lord, I do thank you for your goodness and this opportunity to preach your word. I do pray that you would enable me. Lord, I pray that you'd touch our hearts this afternoon, that we'd be seeking to hear from you once again. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing with me. One of the uh, preacher kind of mentioned earlier this morning, uh, uh, some of the world's uh, biggest questions and the answers to them. And uh, my introduction, I had kind of a thought also, just uh, one of the most commonly asked questions in the world around us is, what is my purpose in life? Or what is your purpose in life? And Another is, what do you want to do when you grow up? You often ask small children. I have no idea how many times I've asked that question or have asked others that question. Or what is it that you want to do with your life? Many in the world have spent chunks of their lives just going along, finding no real satisfaction, and uh, constantly asking themselves those questions. And it's just a very sad reality uh, for them as we know the answers to them is found in scriptures. Very clearly and plainly put there. We're going to look at some of that uh, this afternoon very briefly. I have three points, but I think they're all a little shorter than your second point, so hopefully we can get through this quickly this afternoon. The food was good, and my stomach is full, as I'm sure yours is. So, uh, But first thing this morning, kind of backing up to uh, maybe more the beginning of this, we might say, is your life or a Christian life. First, be reconciled unto God. You can't really uh, fulfill your purpose in life without this first step. Be reconciled unto God, and in this you must first understand your relationship with God and your standing before God. Your relationship to God, we know, is based on His mercies alone. Titus chapter 3 and verse 5 is not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing and regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. You know, we, or we know you don't serve Him to be saved, and you cannot do enough good to be reconciled to God. So if you... We know then, prior to salvation, you were the enemy of God. You were... Or you had nothing to offer Him, and you had no merit to stand before Him. And if you have not yet called on Christ as Savior, then those things are still true of you. 
I would challenge you today to realize then what Christ has done for you, that He loved you and He gave His Son for you. John chapter 3 and verse 16, very familiar verse, maybe the most, if de- definitely one of the most known verses in the world. John three sixteen, For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but shall have everlasting life. And Jesus said in John 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and a life no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Again, prior to salvation, you had no merit to stand before God. We praise the Lord that after salvation that we can stand before Him redeemed or reconciled to God through Christ's righteousness. But if you, again, if you have not, you still have no merit to stand before God. The only way that that can come to be, the only way that, the, that you might come unto the Father is through Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. If you have not yet called on the Lord to save you, you are in a very dangerous position. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27 says, And is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. And no one knows when that appointment is for them. The only way to possibly, and there's not even a guarantee of that, but the only way to possibly escape death is that you would call on Christ as Savior and you go in the rapture. But really, in the, the grand scheme of things, and what he's speaking of here, you know, your life on earth is not forever, basically. It is appointed unto man once to die. After that, there is a judgment. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And Romans 6.23 uh, why is it appointed unto man once to die? For the wages of sin is death. We praise the Lord. The verse continues on, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5, 8, But God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We know according to Second Peter 3, 9, that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In 1 John chapter 5, and verses 11 through 13, if you back up to verse 9, uh, John writes, is, is, uh, and we'll be looking at a little bit later what a witness actually is, but he says, if you... Uh, receive or you, you believe, you, you take claim of the witness of man, uh, the things that, that men have told you, you, you believe those things to be true, he says, following that, well, the witness of God is greater. If you're willing to believe anything anybody has told you, this is greater. This is something more uh, worthy of being held to, more worthy of being received as a truth. And then in John 5 and verse 11, he says, and this is the record. So he's already said, believe his witness. Now this is what he has said. This is the record. That God hath given to us eternal life. And that this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. That ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. If you know, the, again, if you have not yet called on Christ as Savior, you, again, you are in a very dangerous position. You, if you, you don't know when your appointment is with death. You don't know 
how much longer you have. You could leave here today and end up in a tragic accident heading down the road back home and enter into eternity. If you had not yet called on Christ as Savior, you need to get that straightened out today. But if you have done these things, you have called on Christ as Savior, you know these things to be true, then you also are called to be a witness of these things. So secondly, I challenge you to be a messenger sent from God. Scripture records for us that John the Baptist, there as we read, he was a man sent from God. Not only that, though, the Bible tells us why he was sent. John had a motive, a reason for his actions. He came for a witness, the Bible says in verse 7. He came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. A witness is not the same thing. Your job as a witness is not the same as an attorney. A lawyer uh, pleads his case, they, they argue their case, and they come up with points to try to prove uh, their case or, their, what, or to try to influence people to make their desired uh, decision. They, they try to sway people that they would believe and put their vote towards the outcome that they want. Not really caring if uh, it's the truth or not as much as people would believe what they say. Your job as a witness is not to persuade people of these things, but a witness is called solely to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. As a witness is called to testify of what they know, a witness simply is somebody who, uh, I believe the, the description, the definition of a witness is one who tells what they know to be true, or one who tells what they have seen. John the Baptist knew that Jesus was the light, and he testified to that fact. When John was questioned about who he was in uh, verses 19 to 22 of John 1, we won't read it for time's sake, but when he was questioned about who he was and uh, there were many different aspects to that, he, he denied being the Christ. He, he knew uh, who the Christ was, and he, his message was of the Christ. And some thought, well, maybe... Since he's all about the Christ, that's who he is. So they asked him, he said, no, I'm, I'm not the Christ. He said, well, were you Isaiah or Isaiah? And he said, no, I'm not Isaiah. Come back. And he said, are you that prophet? He said, I'm not that prophet. And he said, they eventually, he said, well, then who are you? Or he said, what say thou of thyself? If you're none of these things and you're nobody who we thought you were, who are you? John's response to them was in verse 23, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. And this claim, John essentially says, you know, who I am is of no great importance. It, it doesn't matter. He was, John was prophesied of coming, as Isaiah had said, there would be a voice of one. And John basically says, well, I am that one. I'm not the one. And so who I am is of no great importance. I am nothing but a voice crying in the wilderness, make straight the way, or prepare ye the way of the Lord. He says, who I am is of no great importance, but the one of whom I speak is of the greatest importance, for he is the Lord. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. John told them that he knew that he was not worthy to even unlatch 
the shoelaces or the sandals of his Lord. We see his humility there, which is the humility that we too should take on as this witness of Christ. And so following that, as we said, be a messenger sent from God. We too have been called to be witnesses. In Acts 1.8, the Lord commands, Ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. Second uh, Corinthians 4 and verse 1, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. We need to be faithful in being this witness that we've been called to be. Second Corinthians 5 and verses 17 and 19, if, if Acts 1.8 isn't enough and the, the givings of the Great Commission are not enough that uh, you would take this upon yourself and say, well, he's called some to go, but uh, not me. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, Therefore, if any man or anyone be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us, that being any man who be in Christ, given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. I don't think there's really getting away from that any any way around it. That lands on you. If you've called on Christ as Savior, if you are in Christ, you are to be a witness unto him. You are to be in this ministry of reconciling others to God, and you cannot do that without being the witness he has called you to be. If you have called on Christ as your Savior, you have been given this ministry or the calling to reconcile others to God. You've been given the task of reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Very briefly, we know there are two ways in which every one of us should be a part in this. One, you are to be a witness of Him wherever you are physically. And that, again, that applies for every single one of us. For, for me, as I travel around on deputation, no matter which state, where I am, or if I'm back in Shawnee, or when we get to New Guinea, I am to be a witness unto him physically. For you, whether you are at work, or you're at school, or you're out shopping, or you're on vacation somewhere, you are to be a witness unto him. There is no vacation or break from this calling. You are to called out to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. And secondly, we know that we are to take part in sending others to go wherever you are not. As Acts uh, 1.8 says, Ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, the innermost parts of the earth, That both, we know, means at the same time that right now, at this moment, every one of us that is called on Christ as Savior has an obligation to every lost soul out there. We ask these questions in Romans 10, verses 14 and 15. How shall they call on Him of whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except... They be sent. And Paul said in Romans 1, verses 15, or 14 and 15, he said, I am debtor, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, 
both to the wise and the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Because we have been made partners in the grace of God or partakers of the grace of God, because we, we, it has been bestowed upon us, we've been redeemed and received the righteousness of Christ. Uh, the same as what Paul said of himself in Romans 1.14 can be said of us. We have also then, because we are partakers of His grace, we are then debtors to all men. We owe everyone else our lives, basically, that we would be a part uh, faithfully to seek to be, to seek to, that they might come to the saving knowledge of Christ. Whether they be rich or poor, whether they be learned or unlearned or strong or weak, we have been called to take the gospel to them. So number three, very briefly, again, draw the attention of others to God. Draw the attention of others to God. If, if we are going to do what we've been called to do, that is, reconcile lost souls to God, then we must first draw their attention not to self, but to Christ. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 5, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants, for Jesus' sake. 1 Corinthians 1, 23, the first part of that verse says, But we preach Christ crucified. We must proclaim the crucified and risen Jesus as the Christ Messiah, the Savior who liberates men from their guilt and the power of sin, and who as Lord demands the total allegiance and obedience of the believer. Later on in John's life, when uh, Jesus' ministry was taking off more and uh, uh, in that, as more went to Jesus, fewer and fewer were coming to John. And John's disciples asked him basically, kind of, what do you think about that? Or why is everybody going to him? And you're, in their eyes, at least, you know, you're the one that started this whole thing. And uh, John went on and explained some things to them. But then as he finished off his response in John 3 and verse 30, he said, He must increase, speaking of Christ, but I must decrease. Again, this should be our hearts, that the humility that John had as a servant of God, he said, who I am doesn't matter. I am not here that I might increase, or that more might know of who John the Baptist is. He must increase. I must decrease. If me getting more out of the way and less people knowing who I am means more people know who he is, all the better. And this should be a hard, it should not be about any individual here being lifted up, nor even should it be about Shawnee Mission Baptist Temple being lifted up. But that God, through our faithful witness of Christ, might be glorified in the world around us. It may be said in that sense that we also have been called to be a voice, calling in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. As that is what we've been called to do. We've been called to be that witness. We've been called to go out and, uh, in, in many ways. Uh, you look around us, it doesn't look like what we would typically describe as a wilderness, but in the grander scheme of things and what we have to go through in this world, it is a wilderness out there. Uh, there's 
a lot of unmapped territory, we might say, that we have to go through. And we've been called simply to just be a voice calling out in that wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight that way, prepare your hearts, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. We've been called to be faithful to the truths found in His Word, and to be faithful in the proclamation of those truths. John Harper is known as the last hero of the Titanic. He was a pastor in the past. He pastored in London at the Walworth Road Baptist Church. John Harper was a pastor who had been called to come to the United States to pastor a church in Chicago. And right before he had left for the States, or shortly before he left for the States, his wife passed away. So he boarded a ship with his six-year-old daughter and his wife's sister in April of 1912, planning to come to the United States to pastor. The ship he had boarded was a ship called the Titanic. And you're likely familiar with the Titanic. Some of you may even know this story, but many are familiar with the story of the Titanic, and there are many other stories that have led off from that. Fewer know of the story of the Baptist preacher whose name was John Harper. And witnesses say in the days leading up to the tragedy that John Harper could be found constantly walking around being a witness unto Christ. He was constantly seeking to win lost souls. He was constantly seeking to uh, raise spirits on board ship or to to, uh, uh, encourage people in the Lord. The story goes on that as the ship began to go down into the icy waters and they pulled out the lifeboats and they began to put women and children on board or onto the boats. John Harper, since he was a single father and the child's mother had already passed away, they'd offered him a place on one of the lifeboats so that he could be with his six-year-old daughter. And John Harper's reply to them was, the lifeboats are for the women, the children, and the unsaved. He would not get into the lifeboat, but he realized rather that he had a job to do at this moment. Knowing that the ship was going down and knowing the frigid temperature of the waters, he began to preach on the ship, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It's recorded that a group of band members began to play, Nearer my God to thee. And as these band members played, Nearer my God to thee, God had prepared a man to be a voice crying in the wilderness. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It prepared a man to give lost souls one last chance that they might be saved. As he did this, there was a man that had mocked him and John Harper stopped and he began to plead with this man that he might be saved and the man told him, I have no need of the gospel. John Harper, yet caring for the man's soul, realized he didn't have a life vest on himself, so he took off his own life vest and gave it to the man who put it on, and John Harper then continued on to run throughout the ship preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. As John Harper gave the life vest to the man, he told him one last thought, I guess, to just said, I'll be fine, you will not, you need this more than I do. He continued on, and then 
It was recording as the ship sank further and the lights began to go out and the darkness of those waters was all that most people could see. And hundreds of people were left floating on the water in the midst of the ice trying to cling to different debris. It said that John Harper could still be heard in the waters as they could hear him in the midst of the groans and the cries still calling out, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. As he swam from person to person, trying to bring as many as he could to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. There was a meeting several years after the sinking of the Titanic in Ontario, Canada. And it was a reunion of those who had survived. And there was a lady that stood in the crowd and she began to talk about a preacher that she heard during that time who was uh, crying out uh, that verse, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. After she sat down, there was a man who stood up in the back and said, uh, he stood up in the back and said, I was in the icy waters. I was clinging to a piece of floating debris, and there was a preacher who came and he swam by me and he stopped. Briefly asked me, Sir, would you be saved? And I said, No, I'm fine. He said, I watched the preacher swim off to another group of people and spoke with them for a little while, and then he came swimming back by me, and he stopped once again, and he said, Sir, would you not be saved? Call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you can be saved. The man standing there up in the reunion said, I called upon Christ and asked Jesus to save me. He then said, I watched that preacher swimming slowly away, and he began to sink down, and he went down. And he said, he stood there raising his hand, and he said, I stand here today as the last convert of John Harper. As I heard that story given once, the question was asked, how will you go down? Will you go down yet witnessing for Christ, yet calling out, belief on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved? I think it would truly be said of John Harper that, He was a faithful witness even in the face of great hardships. It could have been easy for him to be like, my daughter has already lost a mother. I have been given a place on this boat. I'll I'll take what's mine. And maybe I can witness to as many as possible. I'll witness to at least those on my boat. But he didn't take that way out. And then he, he could have kept his life vest thinking maybe that would keep him afloat, keep him alive longer till maybe be the chance of rescue could come. And yet, caring for another man's soul decided that his life was worth more than his own. And so he gave up that chance again. And then again, possibly, you don't know, as many had been saved, that if he had found just a piece of driftwood to hang on to and stay put, that maybe, again, he might have been saved. But again, that's not what he did. As he swam about in those icy waters, Uh, fighting off hypothermia as long as he possibly could, seeking to bring as many as he could to the saving knowledge of Christ. Those we close, instead of asking you what your purpose in life is or, or what you want to accomplish with your life, I want to ask you this, rather, are you fulfilling your purpose in life? You have been called, or first I would ask then again, have you called? on Christ to save you. If not, 
Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. But believer, does your life glorify God? That is the true purpose of your life. That is what we've been recreated for and to unto good works that God might be glorified through us. So are you faithful to point others to Christ or does His light shine forth from you? Will you be a voice crying in the wilderness? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Lord, I do thank You for Your goodness. I thank You for this time. We thank You for the sacrifice of Christ on the cross for our sins, Lord. And Lord, I do pray that if there are any here today that have not yet called on Christ as Savior, that You would burden their hearts for that need, that they would make that right today, that they wouldn't leave here without first straightening that out. And then, Lord, we, we thank you for the lives and the testimonies of men like John Harper and many others, and, and the, the heart and the attitude of John the Baptist, Lord, that we would adapt those that, or adopt those, that we would have the humility to re- recognize that we are nothing of great importance, but the message we have is of the greatest importance. And that because of that, even unto death, we would be the faithful witness that you've called us to be, that we would never slack in proclaiming Christ crucified, risen and coming again. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. If you would stand with me as the piano plays and Jay sings, Cleanse me. The altar is open. seated for just a moment. Uh, So last Sunday we voted to uh, help a church up in uh, Portland, Oregon, no Vancouver, Washington area. Um, Brother Reasoner was a missionary of ours to Russia for a number of years 
Um, when all that started to unravel, he came back to the Vancouver area, started a church among Russians there, and uh, he gave testimony that now they have 15 Russians that they actually worked with in Russia uh, there on the property uh, that they're meeting at, and then they were trying to buy property. They had a $3 million piece of property that uh, they were able to get for, I don't know, 450,000, I think it was, they, they were 80,000 short, and we were able to be a part of that. So he sent these uh, videos so that we might be able to see them. So guys, you just go ahead and show. Well, 30 minutes ago, I just got the phone call that this land, 2.56 acres, is Bridgeway Baptist Church today. So here is the sign. It is official. I wanted you to see the picture of this whole area. It's on a major highway. We have God has done great things for us. This acreage goes all the way back to the giant trees in the back, and then it goes off to the left. Huge area for a church. God has blessed us so much, and we want to thank you churches for supporting us, for giving us a one-time offering, because we were able to pay for the land in cash. Thank you, Lord. This is your property. This is your place. Let God do great things on this place. Amen. Okay, this is our hilltop view of our property. And as you look around this area, this is an, a commercial area. And we have a lot of things and I'm doing with this. Building. 2.56 acres, this hill that we have, is gonna be leveled out down into this valley over here. The church will be here. We'll have a gymnasium and a few other things in the future. We're putting together a three-phase building plan, and the first phase is going to be our little church area and Sunday school. Lord bless you, and thank you for your gifts. No, I just um, pray and just God to bless them. This is just a start. It's fun for me. They'll need wisdom beyond themselves and blessing of God upon uh, what they do there. Um, let's see. Brother Larry, would you mind opening us in a word of prayer on that? Then, um, let's see. Brother James, why don't you close us on prayer? Just pray to the Lord. Lord, we just come together. Thank you for the opportunity to help church grow, start and grow, and to bless this church.
Amen. Let's go ahead and stand. We'll be dismissed. It's been a good day in the Lord's house. And uh, ask that you'd still pray for Mrs. Chin uh, there in the hospital. Pray for the Marinos that uh, hopefully tomorrow they'll get a good positive answer on an apartment. And uh, it won't be long that they'll be on their way to California to begin ministering there. That'll be a great blessing. Uh, Brother Beavers, would you close us in word of prayer? Thank you.